This week's guest on How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast, is Jen Burke. Jen is a highly successful sales leader and the head of sales and account management at FAIR, an online wholesale marketplace for retailers and brands, and a newly minted unicorn raising over $400 million in Series G financing. Jen had many stops along the way, including a lengthy stay at ClassPass, where she was promoted several times, ending up as the VP of Partnerships. Prior to ClassPass, she was a consultant at Bain for a few years. During our conversation, we spoke about many topics, including her unorthodox route into tech sales and how she thinks through leading and managing teams. Jen's guidance is not only strategic, it's tactical in nature. And if you're about to embark on your sales career, there's no one better that I can think of than Jen to help jumpstart your career. Jen is thoughtful, empathetic, kind, and driven, and somebody who I've admired from afar, gotten a chance to learn from her in person on our conversation, and will be following for years to come. Let's jump in to this week's episode of How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast with Jen Burke. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, welcome back to How I Sell, presented by The Ramp Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us. She comes to us by way of FAIR, where she is the head of sales and account management. She's had a great career with many stops along the way at super impressive companies like Masterclass, ClassPass, Bain, and she is a graduate from Stanford GSB. Jen Burke, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to have you on. I got a little tripped up. Masterclass and ClassPass. So it's, were... it's confusing. Two classes back-to-back as well in, yeah, my, in two, my resume. Two classes back-to-back. I love it. Uh, well, before we jump into the same five questions we ask all our guests on season two of How I Sell to get that apples-to-apples comparison, uh, who is Jen Burke? Yeah, I guess I'll talk about myself both professionally and personally. So professionally, I consider myself a go-to-market leader, specifically focused on sales and success roles. I've been working on that for the last eight to 10 years, but my path there wasn't quite straightforward. I spent the first eight years of my career actually pretty directionless, doing things in marketing, advertising, uh, consulting. As you mentioned, I went to business school and nothing really clicked for me. Um, and then I kind of fell into sales by by chance or by accident. I took a job at the first class company, so ClassPass, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a fitness subscription service that enables consumers to hop around to different fitness studios all over their local city or neighborhood, kind of under one membership. And I was hired as a general manager, but they really just needed people to sign up studios and do sales. And so that's how it started for me. I had no formal sales training at the time. I had no idea what I was doing the first few weeks and honestly was like pretty terrified. But I got some support from some really smart people around me in sales. Um, and pretty quickly, I, I learned to love it and realized I was pretty good at it too. And I've stayed on that track like ever since. So today, as you mentioned, um, I currently leave sales and success at a company called FAIR. And then personally, I live in San Francisco with my husband and three kids. All three kids are under the age of five. So it's absolute chaos each and every day. But um, I love it and I wouldn't want it any other way. 
Well, that's a great background. I appreciate you going in depth on both the personal side and the professional side. <laughs> Helps the audience get to know you a little bit better. And like you, obviously, a new, newly minted dad of two. So I can't. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the best. I can partially understand the craziness over there, but uh, it's certainly crazy times. And we'll, we'll dive into some more on your background, but very impressive. And we generally hear, you know, folks who get into sales or at least uh, are this far along in their careers, a lot of them, you know, didn't know that that's what they wanted to get into and didn't know that that was the track they're going to take. So, yeah. Um, I'm pumped to jump in with you. If you're ready, uh, let's dive into the to the five questions. Perfect. Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. So question number one, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? So I want to start by saying that I think the best investment any person can do for their career in general is to actually go into sales. And so the people listening to this podcast and going through your programming, they're already on the right track, in my opinion. But I say that because I think the skills you acquire in a sales role from managing difficult conversations to effective communication to problem solving to prioritization, they are the same skills you need for any leadership role in any industry or function. So great job already. But to answer your specific question around the investment to make once you've chosen sales as a career path, I think mine would be to sell something that you really believe in and are passionate about, and especially early on in your career. And I say that for three reasons. I was a consultant, so everything's kind of in threes for me. But the first reason is you are going to hear no way more times than you are going to hear yes. And it will make you doubt yourself It'll make you, make you doubt the product that you're selling. It's just inevitable. And so selling something you really believe in, I think will help you get through those tough days. I think the second reason to do this is customers can see through BS. Like They know when you're being genuine or authentic about yourself or the product. And conversely, I think they know when, when you're passionate about the product. And that enthusiasm and passion, I think, rubs off on customers. So just makes you a more effective salesperson. And I think the last thing I'll say about it, and probably the most important, is you are going to talk about this product all day, every day, for as long as you are with the company. And so you better like it, right? Because no product is perfect. There's flaws in every product. But if you like the product, those flaws, I think, will translate into kind of a roadmap for the product or ways you can improve it versus becoming just like a laundry list of roadblocks against you. So that's my advice. Sell a product you can believe in. Uh, it's great advice. And you kind of inceptioned the question, right? So the best investment you can actually do if you want to go into sales is is go into sales. I love it. Yeah. I, I think I think that's right. We've heard it a few times on the podcast, not as clearly as you laid it out. But the reality of this career is you probably will never face this type of rejection in any other career path, right? Like you're yeah. sitting there either on the phone or through email or LinkedIn or wherever you're doing outreach and you are getting rejected potentially up to like 98% of the time. Like that's a lot of rejection and it's good to learn that early in your career. It sets the tone for, hey, look, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna have to battle some things in my career you know, professionally or personally or in many other ways, it's not always going to come easy. And I, I don't mean this uh, to diminish, you know, the academic path, but academics are are typically laid out very specifically for you, yeah. right? There's a curriculum, there's grades you're supposed to get. And when you get into the professional world, like there's no path. There's yeah. nobody carves this out for you. You're you're thrown in and it's on you to make it work. So I totally agree for a lot of the reasons that you listed. The one that, that resonated the most is like, you know, you just get rejected. You get you get knocked down so many times, you get back up. That's what sales is all about. And I'll add, I think like the only maybe job where you get rejected more 
is an entrepreneur or someone who's starting their own business and trying to like raise money or get employees to follow your cause. And so if that's ultimately your end state, I certainly think that sales is a great entry point for that. Absolutely. I reflect on that quite often, how sales prepped me to be in this entrepreneurial role right now as somebody who founded a company and frankly, couldn't have had a better a better foundation than yeah, totally. dialing, dialing and just having people say a slew of different things, some yeah. very, very mean, some you know nice, but polite nose. But yeah, rejection is a good thing to learn early in, in your career. Yeah, absolutely agree. Awesome. Question number two, what is the biggest surprise you experience early on in your career and how has it shaped you? So I think the biggest surprise I experienced early on in my sales career, which as I mentioned, was a little bit later than when I started my actual career, but was how much more important it is to listen well than to talk well. And I think from the outside, before I got into sales, I always thought the best salespeople were the extroverts, right? The ones who could walk into a room, command the room, tell incredible stories, and we're just naturally articulate and engaging. And the people that honestly like intimidated me personally, since I am not the most articulate person, and I'm certainly not a, a naturally strong like, public speaker. Um, and don't get me wrong, I think those are amazing skills for anyone to have in sales. But what I learned over time is you can't win on those tactics alone. It's, it's just not enough. And the best salespeople I've encountered are the ones who are phenomenal listeners and are just naturally curious, right? The ones who ask amazing questions, who are present and like actively listen to those answers, and then who use that approach of like asking and then listening to get to the root cause of their customers' biggest problems and then problem solve around them using their product as a solution. Um, and that's what I found to be successful for myself as well in, as well as for my teams. I'm glad you took it in that direction for a few reasons. The first of which is, you know, salespeople in general have kind of been, let's call it stereotyped and what you see on TV or the movies as this smooth talking, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> you know, generally like white male, right? He's just... Yeah slamming down doors and and cashing checks or cashing checks breaking necks whatever you want to call it and that you get on you get into reality and that's just not how it is i think you're you're spot on there one salespeople come in many different shapes and sizes and two active listeners or active listening as a skill is something that the absolute best salespeople have. I remember one of the the earliest folks that I that I ever managed was a fellow who was a pure introvert. You know, he sat down every day, made his 60 calls. But when you listen to the call recordings, it was like a you know, a savant with listening, a savant. Yeah, totally. and, uh, like he could teach a course in active listening, right? It was 25% of the time he was talking, 75% of the time he just got the prospect to spew their pure emotion. And it was amazing to listen to. I, I have a, an offshoot on this. What do you think, or how do you learn, a better way to phrase it, how do you learn how to actively listen? Or is there a skill that you can kind of create if you don't necessarily have that to start in your career as sales? That's a great question. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll share like one of the tips and tricks like I've utilized to be a better listener. And it's actually like a mental shift in how I approach customer conversations. And so rather than thinking about them as like pitches or demos, I try to think about them as like interviews and working sessions. And it's a small nuance, but it like really works for me because it forces forces me to ask myself ahead of a call, what do I need to know or learn about this person? Or what hypotheses do I need to test in order to understand how this product can actually help and benefit them? And in general, that leads to less talking, 
more asking and more listening. And then when you are talking, like ensuring you're really addressing what the customer is saying versus like, honestly, just like checking off a few boxes on the talk track. Um, And so I don't know if that's a helpful tip for others, but I think that's just like reframe of like, it is an interview. It is a conversation. It is a working session. It is not a pitch or demo. I think changes the dynamic on how much you think you should talk versus how much you think you should listen. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The first time we've heard that too. And I think this is a good both strategy and tactic that people can use right away and very actionable. So thanks for sharing that. Question number three, what is one mistake you made early on in your career that shaped the way that you operate today? So one mistake I made early on in my sales career And I'm like incredibly embarrassed to admit this because it has become my biggest pet peeve as a sales leader and sales manager is that my first few weeks of selling, and as I mentioned, I was new to sales, had no formal sales training, but I did like whatever it took to close the sale, even if it meant setting unrealistic expectations upstream that hurt the relationship downstream. And I think I just naively thought you had to tell customers what they wanted to hear or like more particularly, honestly, like what you thought they wanted to hear to win the deal. And for me, when I was at ClassPass starting out, it was stuff I thought was like pretty harmless at the time. So things like touting revenue estimates that were just like a bit out of reach or painting like a rosier picture of some product features um, than were true, or even like telling them onboarding was going to take 30 minutes, but really I knew it was going to take two to three hours. Right? And it, it optimized for like the short term. Like I got the yes, I got the sale, but it put the long-term relationship at risk, led to like much unhappier customers, really painful conversations with their account manager. Um, and then ultimately just like lower revenue for the business because those customers were much more likely to churn and be unhappy. And the upsell process was going to be much, much longer. And so fortunately, I, I pivoted my strategy rather quickly. I Unfortunately, I had to do a number of those like account management calls. And as I mentioned, they were incredibly painful. But I think what I learned is you will be like much more successful, or I was much more successful being honest about the benefits and value props of a product, as well as the limitations of that product and managing expectations effectively. Because ultimately, what you're doing in that is like you are building trust. And what so many customers are looking for is not just a product that fits their needs, but a person and a company that they trust and that they believe like align with their values and sets the foundation up for a future where you can upsell more easily and you have higher attention and you have better relationships with customers. I think that's like a a cycle some people can get into where they're just like trying to get the sale and they're not thinking about the long-term implications of what they're saying kind of up funnel. Yeah, I frankly, I really appreciate you going in depth on there. And I think what I learned from your answer is you did the right thing after knowing or understanding, you know, kind of whether they like to admit, I think most people have probably oversold something or gone, you know, above and beyond to make sure that they get the yes in sales. But I think what you did after the fact was really interesting, which was sit in on some of these or all of these account management calls and see the downstream effects of it. Not everybody gets that view into how let's call it to put a blanket term on it, right? An oversell will actually impact the long-term relationship yeah. for, for company and, and, and customer. So I think you jumping in, understanding like that downstream effect, and then jumping back and editing the sales process is really helpful. And I think that's something folks can learn from is, you know, hey, look, it's great to get the sell. 
you're, you're to get the sale. You're going to hit your goal quicker. You're probably going to get a little more commission, but downstream, you know, that customer could churn, that paints a bad relationship that could potentially harm the brand or the company overall. And that you know, results in less sales in the long term. So um, I think you laid it out really clearly there. One thing I'll, I'll also mention now that I oversee kind of both sides, the pre-activation and post-activation sales team, I have even more empathy for this problem. And I think as a sales manager and going into leadership positions, I've been much more intentional about putting in things into the account executives like quota or commission plans that actually like incentivize that right behavior, right? like spiffs on retention or the amount of money that that client is able to generate in the first 30 days or first quarter so that they feel empowered and encouraged to set the right expectations in upstream. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I often encourage, especially in training programs, to folks sit alongside account managers or customer success folks yeah, to see agree. like, hey, look, once you once you complete the sale, it's not just like, you know, hands off, I'm done. It's, hey, the company now has to make this this customer super, super happy. And that's just, that's a full team that, that gets that job done, not just uh, customer success account management. It's the salesperson, it's marketing, making sure the targeting is correct. So, I really like that. I think that's smart. Awesome. Question number four. And some folks take this a different way. You know, you can talk about a situation, you can talk about people, but who has had the greatest impact on your career and why? Um, So I thought about this one a lot. Um, And I think there's actually two people. So can I cheat and say two people? 100%. Go for it. (laughs) Okay, cool. So the first is a woman named Mary Biggins, who was my manager, um, as well as the co-founder of ClassPass. And the second is my husband. And for two very, very different reasons have they helped my career. But first I'll talk about Mary. Mary to this day is the most talented salesperson I have encountered in my career. She has two qualities that I admire and like aim to emulate in any sales I do. The first is that she's what I'll call like pleasantly persistent. She is a hustler to the max, but in a very endearing way to her prospects and customers. And then the second is what I referred to earlier, like she's a great listener and problem solver, which is what I view great sales reps to be. And I'll tell like a quick story here to showcase this for Mary, because I think it's just very funny. But when I was at ClassPass, she operated under this belief that no one will refuse a meeting with you if you are literally like outside their door with a smile. And so she would just book trips to different cities across the country where we had our biggest studio partners. So think like, studios that have national franchises all over the US with no meeting booked. And she would just show up at their offices with like cookies or fruit baskets. Um, Or she would just email them that she was in town and tell them she would reach out every single day until they were willing to meet with her even for five minutes. And inevitably they'd cave because they think it was like so much, somewhat charming and take the meeting. But then in the meeting, she treated it like just a working session. Like she would share the class pass vision, but then She just listened. She asked questions. She problem solved with them live and came up with a few ideas for them to noodle on based on their specific needs. And it nearly like always worked. I would say nine times out of 10, she got the brand on board. Um, And it was just like, honestly, incredible to watch and learn from. I've adopted her strategies ever since. I don't think I'm as good as Mary, but I'm in constant pursuit of being as good as Mary. So that's Mary. For my husband, I mentioned him because I think everyone needs a cheerleader, whether that's your manager, your parent, your partner. Sales is like really, really hard. And I think mentally too, like really challenging. And you are going to have some difficult days where you just doubt yourself and you need someone to help you get through them. 
like someone to remind you of like all the good deals you've done when you're only focused on like that one big deal that you've lost. And that's been my husband to me. He's listened to me talk about work and customer stories like every day for the past 10 years. And he's like taken on that role of advocate and cheerleader. And, and I'm so, so grateful for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate you laying out kind of the yin and yang there, right? So you have the Mary who obviously has has done it before. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard it put that way, but the uh, pleasant persistence like that. That's so cool. I might have to steal the cookie baking and showing up at, yeah, totally. at, at someone's door. That's awesome. And then your husband, who obviously cheers along. And, and you're right. You, you probably need both. You need to see somebody who's done it before and done it at such a high level or even somebody who's just a few steps in front of you and can do it you know, much better than you can at the time. Yeah. And then somebody who's just, you know, either whether, yeah, again, manager, parent, you know, spouse, somebody who's just there to cheer you on and, and really... Uh, encourage you, especially in the in the face of all this rejection. So uh, I, I appreciate that you laid both of those those folks out, and it seems like you've had some really great influences in your life. Yeah, and I think it's so important for individuals, particularly early on in their career, to find those mentors, both formal and informal, and people that they look up to that they want to emulate and be, and yep. try to develop those relationships with them. Try to get advice, get them to coach you on your hard sale, and and Mary certainly was that. For me and I think really shaped who I became as a salesperson. Yeah, it's it's clear why ClassPass took off the way it did. I mean, explosive growth from that company, and I've heard stories through the grapevine, but to hear that more specifically laid out and see, you know, hey, this is exactly what the CEO embodied too. It's really cool. Yeah. Not all CEOs can get up and you know hustle their way into into sale into sales like that. Some have an affinity towards product, and there's no you know there's no right or wrong answer there. But it's it's really inspiring, yeah. and I can imagine being on the team and just being inspired every day when you hear stories like that. Yeah, 100%. It's like lead by example. Really cool. Really cool. Last question for you. Uh, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering in your career and why? So I think you talked a bit about this on a prior podcast, but I think it's important enough to reemphasize. So I'm going to go with it, which is that I think if I had the benefit of hindsight, I would try to go back in time and remind myself that interviews are two-way streets, that of course, the interviewer is interviewing you and trying to understand if it's a good fit, but you are also interviewing them and should be trying to assess if the company and the manager, specifically the manager, um, is a good fit for you. And I recognize that starting out in your career, this might feel like a luxury, like you are literally just trying to get a job, or at least that's how I felt when I was first out of school. Like I was not focused on diligencing my employer. I was just hoping someone like anyone would hire me. But I think it took me like a little too late into my career to realize things like culture and values and your manager, like they matter. They matter so much and are likely going to be the most important things in determining your personal happiness and career growth. And maybe the last thing I'll say on this, uh, which I tell my teams this all the time, but I like to remind people that you spend more time at work and with the people at work than you do with your friends, your family, like or your kids, if you have any. And so you should enjoy it. And I encourage folks who are interviewing to just reflect on what's important to them and then really try to seek that out in an employer. 
Well, you know, I'm a big fan of that answer. Yes. Uh, and certainly something that we that we preach in the ramp course as well is, and something I did not know, neither did my co-founders. None of us really knew this going into it. We were born out of the mentality or entered into our career with the mentality of like, take the best job you can get. It doesn't matter who it is, work your butt off and then uh, see what see what comes of it. And that mentality was instilled, you know, maybe in a previous generation. I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but I think now, it, especially at this juncture, it's more important than ever to understand, I think, with the advances in communication around mental health, to understand that, like, it's point. okay to interview with the expectation that it is a two-way street, with the expectation that you are also running your process on the employer, future employer, because if you wind up in a spot that you know with a with a poor manager or somebody who's going to negatively influence your career trajectory that can have a really significant impact on you know your mentality and where you go from that first role and vice versa right if you wind up in a spot with an exceptional manager exceptional team you know tons of tools tons of things that you can learn and obviously uh, financial upside as well like you can be set for for the rest of your career it could really yeah. launch you into the stratosphere so Take the time. I think that that's that's lost on a lot of folks entering their career. Really, really take the time, and it's okay to pass on opportunities and wait, you know, extra four, six, eight, you know, twelve weeks to find the right role. It's it's really going to be okay. Just find that perfect yeah. fit for both you and uh, for the employer. I couldn't agree with that more. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jen, it's been great having you. Where can folks find you? Um, I think probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Jennifer Burke. Um, and if you're really eager, you can email me. My work email is jennifer at fair.com. That's, that's super nice of you to, to give both pieces of contact information. Folks out there listening, uh, take Jen up, but if you email her, make sure that, uh, you're, you're being persistent in the right way. So make pleasantly sure persistent. Yeah. Pleasantly <laughs> persistent. That's right. Be pleasantly persistent. Well, Jen, I really appreciate you coming on How I Sell. This has been a great conversation. Our folks are going to learn a ton, both strategically, tactically, and I think you've framed up a lot of uh, mentality things as well for how to enter in and have a productive sales career. So we really appreciate having you and hope to have you back someday on the Ramp Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Danny. It's been fun. Thank you. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, the Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.